This is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be speaking with leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. Twice a year, thousands of designers and retail buyers descend on a small town in North Carolina for High Point Market. A trade show, a conference, a networking event, and at night, a party. High Point is the home industry's South by Southwest. The fall edition just wrapped. And to recap the event, this week on the podcast, my guests are Business of Homes Editor-in-Chief, Caitlin Peterson, and retail columnist, Warren Schulberg. I spoke to Caitlin and Warren about their market highlights, why the supply chain crisis isn't a hot topic anymore, and how the industry is reacting to the possibility of a recession. This podcast is sponsored by Universal Furniture. With their robust list of in-stock items, including favorites from Miranda Kerr's Love, Joy, Bliss collection, to their best-selling collaborations with Coastal Living, they have furnishings in stock and ready to ship today. Visit universalfurniture.com slash in stock to browse their full lineup of available items. Not a to the trade member? Simply go to universalfurniture.com slash join to sign up today. This podcast is also sponsored by Amazon Ads. Is your brand looking for effective ways to reach home and furniture audiences? According to a 2022 Kantar study, 81% of mattress customers discover a new brand or product when they visit Amazon.com. Wherever they choose to shop, Amazon Ads can help brands like yours reach home and furniture customers throughout their shopping journeys, both on and off Amazon's store. To learn more, visit amazonads.com slash home. And now, on with the show. The two of you are clearly in good spirits coming off of High Point. Caitlin, was this was this the mood on the ground? Was the group as ebullient as the <laughs> guests are today on the Business of Home podcast? I think so. I mean, in a lot of ways, I think this was the most normal feeling market we've had in three years. And I think people were in really good spirits. I don't know. I feel like in previous markets, even just in the showrooms, you'd go in and you'd have missing collections or partial collections. I remember, you know, like, here's the dining table. The chairs didn't come. So here's a picture of them. Like, imagine that they're here. Or people saying, we merchandised as best we could, but half of it is stuck in the ports and it didn't get here. You weren't walking into a showroom and the first thing someone did was apologize, whether it was about their lead times or about their missing stuff. It was just like, we have a full, entire, thoughtful line. We're going to show it to you. How great is this? <laughs> that alone, I think, changes changes the mood, changes the energy. Like People just brought full collections to market in a way that hasn't really happened in a while. And Warren, was that also what you found? Yeah. You know, Caitlin judges it by the number of, of uh, furniture pieces that show up. I have a different <laughs> judging criteria, which is more about the number of tote bags given out, the number of parties, <laughs> and the absence of places to park. And um, by all three of those criteria, it was just about a regular market. Mm-hmm. Parking was tough. Parking was tough. We've been uh, really spoiled the last couple of years. You got like yeah. real great parking at 10 o'clock, yes. and this year, not so much. Not so much. Uh, but there were tote bags galore all over the place. Uh uh, you know, I think part of it was a, uh, a less than um, a professional uh, barometer, which was that the weather was fabulous. So people mm-hmm. were just in 
better mood, even if business is not quite as great as uh, as it had been, there was not a, a pall over the market that I saw. Yeah. And I want to get into business and I and I want to get into one of the things that you wrote about in, in, in your column this morning. But I'm curious, Caitlin, as you were saying, people this time around received the shipments. They were able to show everything they wanted to. For a hot minute, there was this conversation about, hey, maybe we don't need to bring out as many new collections. Has all of that gone away now that they can actually get those containers again? I think so. We saw people doing, you know, 30, 40, 50 piece lines, sometimes more. You know, a couple of people saying this is the biggest release we've ever done. You know, I think a lot of that thoughtfulness around re-merchandising and streamlining. <laughs> yes, I loved where that was going. There was a sustainability <laughs> message there. There was a whole, they were going to change the way it was done. I mean, but. here's the deal. I went into lockdown, right? And was like, oh my gosh, like it's actually really fun to be at my house. We're going to come back online and I'm going to travel less, right? And the first thing I did when the pandemic restrictions were lifted was I hit the road nonstop. And I think maybe this is sort of similar. You go back to that extreme because you can, and it's so exciting. Yeah. And I do wonder if that'll shake out in the next year or two. Maybe people re-remember, oh, I learned a lesson. <laughs> maybe there's a way <laughs> to meet in the middle or not. And maybe this is just an industry that really thrives on new stuff. But I think that's something to watch. Warren wrote, it was about the, the haves and the have too muches <laughs> in his column. And I, I want to get a read on, on that because Warren, when you and I were together at Spring Market, yeah. we were already starting to hear about inventory levels rising, and that became an even more significant issue for people. So tell me what you heard and, and saw. Yeah, there were rumblings on it in April, and people weren't sure if this was just a little dip or whether this was the start of something else entirely. And it turned out to be the start of something else entirely. And so inventory levels are absolutely backed up uh, throughout the entire uh, supply chain. You know, everybody always said when the supply chain uh, was at its worst, that the only thing that was going to solve it and level it off would be a decreased demand. And uh, Eureka, that's what happened, uh, is that there was less demand and all of a sudden um, supply got in sync with demand and then got out of sync with it on the other, on the other side of, of the, of the barometer. So um, uh, certainly, too much merchandise out there. And we're still not, I, I think, still not feeling the full effect of it. A lot of uh, suppliers and dealers are still working off backlogs. Mm -hmm. So if mm -hmm. in 20 and 21, the, the backlogs got as high as, I don't know, 48 weeks, uh, they've come down to 12 weeks. And so uh, folks are still still making and selling stuff because they're they're filling existing orders. But I think um, most people I talked to said that's going to absolutely bottom out uh, by the end of the year, and then we'll get a better barometer actually what the rate of sale is. So, And again, we're talking about uh, uh, stocking dealers and vendors who primarily bring in big containers from Asia. Even on the like domestic manufacturer side, you know, and the the folks who are making, you know, one of a kinds for designers or kind of semi-custom pieces, I think 
I heard a lot about, you know, like 20 something week lead times or lead times in the high teens, which were again down from 30 something or 40 something weeks. The manufacturers seem really excited about their shrinking lead time, which they can talk mm. about. But also, you have half a year's worth of orders as really a cushion against, you know, whatever else is coming in the next six months. But it does seem like we're inching towards a place where that starts to run out and you have to figure out if you've got new business coming in. Yeah. At a volume that makes sense for your business. Exactly. And and if and if people even have a clear understanding of what the volume levels are for for the business and and what what is what is demand to to Warren's point. Last market, so many of the companies talked to us about everything they were doing to recruit new employees to come on board to learn upholstery to get those backlogs uh, to to catch up with with all of those orders was that less of a message this time around i, I mean we've we've read of layoffs or 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 not hiring in in some of the factories what was the what was the message there you know there was a a manufacturer who said to me that you know they were in like a round table with designers and somebody was kind of like well i don't understand why you just can't hire more people right and the manufacturer was kind of like well there's only so many people. And I think that that has really become clear that that's not the solution. Hmm. I think a lot of them have kind of given up, to be honest. Yeah. You know, you, you're maybe you have this, this program, you're trying to recruit new people in, but that's not your short term solution. That's your five or your 10 year plan. But almost nobody you hire now who's new to the industry is going to be a true value add at, you know, kind of the, the high end levels of your product line for a long time just with like the training and the apprenticeship and the work that that goes into learning that trade. So I heard a lot more about factory streamlining or like just manufacturing operations um, and finding efficiencies there, finding ways to systemize some of the lower skilled parts of the manufacturing process so that mm. your really high skilled workers can can do that one thing specifically, as opposed to maybe having a bigger purview and the rest of their job has been given to someone kind of who's on their way up or kind of learning the trade. But I think all around what I heard was that, you know, this like hiring spree at some point is so expensive with all the signing bonuses that were getting thrown around that it's almost, it's not a solution to your problem. Well, and, and you, and you mentioned high end and it seemed at, it seemed at last market, there was definitely starting to become this divide between the companies that were servicing higher end designer driven businesses versus the companies that were serving some of the big box retailers. And I'm, and I'm curious, Warren, if you felt that as well, it sounds like you did, Caitlin. Yeah, I think the high end absolutely is holding up better. Um, and you've got two other kind of uh, factors there. One is that um, vendors who service stores in the South, where a lot of the population is moving towards, um, feel a little better than folks who are have stores in uh, Detroit or Cleveland or Philadelphia or, or New York, for that matter. So the population shifts are uh, are definitely uh, affecting some things. Uh, there was a story in the Wall Street Journal yesterday 
uh, earlier this week that uh, Johnson City, Tennessee, the population is just continues to boom. And of course, it's relative, but but I think you're seeing um, certain parts of the country holding up better and uh, and the housing markets holding up better. The other variable is um, is a quirk of, of Mother Nature, and that's Florida. Florida dealers have it's the dirty little secret. They've depended on on a big uh, a big storm every four or five years to come in and and devastate uh, a big chunk of the of the housing stock there. And it's that's the most depressing thing I've ever heard. That's, it really is. It please really tell is. me they are not counting on a hurricane to support their. I I guess I put that a little <laughs> bit cynically, but um, it does seem that every couple of years there's a storm sure. that that takes out a lot of. Uh, a lot of housing stuff. So for the next six months, you're going to see Home Depot and Lowe's and anybody that sells lumber or windows do really well. But uh, the back half of 23, when those houses have been rebuilt, uh, Florida furniture dealers are going to do are going to do pretty well. So um, bad weather translates into good business in Florida. We're taking a quick break from the show to remind you about Amazon ads. Viewers today are cutting the cord and moving to streaming services. According to a 2022 Amazon internal insight, home brands that used streaming TV ads observed a nearly twofold increase in repeat customer purchases. Put your brand in front of this growing audience as they watch premium Amazon streaming TV content, such as Freevee, Twitch, and Prime Video. Visit amazonads.com slash home to learn more. And now, back to the show. So let, let's just summarize quickly. So we, we touched on lead times and supply chain issues. We had been talking with Beth Webb out of Atlanta just the other day on the podcast. She mentioned a couple of different vendors that had suggested they were year-long lead times still coming back. Is that still the case with some of the big upholstery firms that you heard, Caitlin? It feels really swingy to me. And I think it it depends on who you're talking to, what their capabilities are, and just sort of what their reality is. I mean, a lot of the manufacturers that I talked to were hovering in the 20-something weeks. On the flip side, if you want a real lead time success story, we went to the American Leather Showroom and the president there was telling me that they've got two week lead times really on custom pieces yeah and so we were talking all about you know just streamlining operations and how they've really focused on systems um, they're manufacturing down in Dallas, I believe. I'm talking to her actually, I think next week or the week after. Amazing. So yeah, so I'm eager to hear that. Yeah. It, you know, and so you walk in and they're like, hey, like two week lead times, like we can do it, you know, and there's other people who are like, well, we've got a waiting list. It's, you know, it's still about 24 weeks. So I didn't hear anybody owning up to making their customers wait a year at this point. Mm. Um, So I didn't, you know, I didn't see anyone at market where that was the reality, but it certainly was sort of in that two weeks was kind of the outlier, but you know, that like 10 to 20 to maybe pushing 30 was what I saw then felt pretty normalized at this point. And from my end, I didn't hear a single person 
use the two words supply and chain in the same <laughs> anytime during during market it has quickly become a non-issue with uh, with a large segment of the industry uh if you remember uh container prices were as high as $26,000 a box at, at their peak. Well, and you hear crazy stories too, right? Because I think that was like the reported peak, but I heard talk to someone yeah. who paid over $30,000 for one. Wow. You know, yeah. okay. I feel like yeah. every time you think you've heard that biggest number you could possibly imagine for a container, someone's like, well, last year at whatever time, like we actually paid this once because we just had to have the stuff. Yeah. Well, and I think that one was uh, turbocharged and had, uh, <laughs> you know, had a double engine seats. or something. Yes, something like that. <laughs> I talked to a vendor this week who said he's being quoted prices of under $3,000 now for uh, a can going to the West Coast. Coming in the East Coast, still a little higher, but. Um, it's remarkable how it how it went from the end of the world to excuse me what are you talking about in <laughs> in just a couple of months remarkable yeah so you mentioned they've they've stricken supply chain from the language what has replaced that as the hot button issue because recession is out there inflation is out there what are they talking about instead as the big issue that they are facing now. Yeah. So you have to remember the furniture industry never met a crisis they didn't love and they didn't <laughs> obsess on. You know, there was there's always something that's distressing them. So now it's mostly um, this uh, this long uh, brewing uh, coming soon recession. That, that seems to be what folks are talking about. Uh, the housing market obviously has slowed down a lot, but I think some of that is still largely regional. Uh, but they're they're worried about recession and what that does uh, into 23. And as we know, recessions are, I, I hate to speak like a liberal arts major, but um, they're uh, relative. Um, you know, some people say we've, we're already in a recession. We've been in a recession for two quarters. The textbook definition of recession we haven't hit yet, but to me, it's more consumer confidence, and uh, and they're really worried that the consumer is going to shut down in twenty three completely uh, because they're scared and and they're worried about uh, losing their jobs and and paying for gasoline and uh, the proverbial milk and eggs. So that seems to be the um, obsession du jour. I think for the manufacturers, though, that do have that 20-something backlog, that goes back to this idea that that's really a cushion for you, at least until next market. And so that's right. been yeah. sort of interesting to see, you know, the folks that are sitting on, you know, 24 weeks of business still to manufacture seem less freaked out by the near future. Yeah, I agree. Historically, Warren, have you found so we've we've had this unprecedented phenomena in the past couple of months where mortgage rates have 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 doubled from from where they once were. Now they were at very low levels for a long time, and and the Federal Reserve and and other financial institutions created these artificially low rates. Uh, but it has been jarring to see mortgage rates back over seven percent and and that is a number i would imagine has a, a meaningful impact on the entire industry as it's clearly cooled the housing market in 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 most markets even the hot ones for sure that 
peaking 7%. I think I saw that that's the first time we've seen that in 20 years. So it it is definitely putting a damper on the housing market. And that's, that's an issue for, uh, for the furniture industry. But you know, you've also got a, a another uh, dynamic out there, which is that if people can't move and they still have money, a lot of people will say, well, I ain't going anywhere. I might as well fix up where I live. And so uh, home remodeling, home decorating, you know, it's not a, a, a one-to-one ratio. But I think we've seen in the past that when um, the housing market slows, people tend to double down on where they're living. So you're going to see some of that in 23, I, I would think. Interesting. Much has been made in the past several markets about the ever-increasing number of designers that are participating in the high point market. And in our in our last recap show, Warren, you pointed out that designers weren't always welcome at High Point, but they've been, uh, but they've been warmly welcomed at High Point the last <laughs> few years, and and they they have now been representing more than fifty percent of the of the participants. Did you find that that designers were out in in great numbers, Caitlin, and and has that had a meaningful impact in in your mind with High Point? I did. I think those official numbers on the percentage breakdown aren't out quite yet. I think just the basic attendance numbers are out, which was up. I saw it was up 8.7%. Thank you. Yeah, 8.7% over last year, 5.3% over April. Um, So attendance is coming back towards that pre-pandemic number. And I do think a big piece of that pie is going to be designers when we see the final breakdown shake out. It felt like everybody was out in full force. Um, and, you know, Warren, whereas your column yesterday sort of talked about like a lot of people who were uh, just looking, thanks. I think, you know, designers are there to buy. They're scouting for their projects. They're coming with problems to solve. And they are sort of the long tail um, business lead for a lot of the manufacturers that they're visiting. And I think a lot of them still feel really optimistic about the leads they have coming in and just sort of that, that engine of business that they've got in the pipeline. Um, so I think that all bodes well for the brands at market too, who are really focused on attracting designer business. And Dennis, a lot depends on what day of market you're talking about. You know, those big dealers tend to come in early, as early as the Wednesday before mm. market officially opens. So you're seeing a lot of a lot of the retailers are there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and they're gone by Sunday. So if you walk around market, if you walk around High Point on Sunday or Monday, it looks like it's 100% designers yeah. because most of the retailers or the big retailers are gone. And so um, some of that is perception, but clearly uh, designers, I heard uh, 60% of the market now. And I think that that's pretty accurate. One interesting unofficial measure, too, for me was just, um, I think brands looking to attract designers do that a lot with programming. Mm. You know, And when we were making our guide for market this year, I think we had more submissions for in-showroom programming than we've ever seen before. Um, and so you know, as brands are looking to pull people back into their showroom, as market population is swelling, more and more brands are, you know, kind of pulling out the stops in terms of sort of the the cocktails, the hors d'oeuvres, that was always there, but now also sort of the educational programming, the the sort of entertainment factor to get people in the door. Mm-hmm. 
We're taking a quick break from the show to remind you about Universal Furniture. In need of the perfect piece for your space, shopping with Universal Furniture makes it easy. With their extensive list of in-stock items, shopping with them guarantees you'll receive your items on time without delays. Visit universalfurniture.com/instock to browse their full lineup of available items. Not a to the trade member? Simply go to universalfurniture.com/join to sign up today. And now, back to the show. As you both have touched on, the designers seem to be the most optimistic group in all of this, uh, much more so than the retailers seem to be these days. And and the designers seem to have, at least they, they're under the impression that they've got a lot of strong business locked in for the next few years. And so, so they are buying. Another thing that, that was written about on the on the site and and was this ever expanding antique business at, at, at High Point, right? Talk to me about that a little bit. Warren said the retailers are there on Wednesday. So are the people who are looking to scoop up <laughs> all the best antiques. Yeah. Yeah. And that day is creeping earlier and earlier and earlier as people like fight to be the first in line. You know, it used to be that you showed up on. Thursday afternoon, I think it was, to get into the Antiques and Design Center early. Um, so then some people started coming on Thursday morning. And then, you know, the Thursday afternoon, people would get there and everything good was tagged. I heard people coming on Wednesday and someone had already beat them to the stuff they wanted. So that the day you come to buy antiques, I guess, is in flux and creeping earlier as people look to outdo themselves or outdo one another. But yeah, I mean, Jane Dagny wrote an amazing piece for our guide just about all of the resources, all of the the interest and kind of what a thriving sector of the furniture economy that antiques dealer network has become. No, it was it was fascinating to see at last market when we did go to the antique shops, much more than half the merchandise already had hold stickers right. on them and, and with yep. all with with some big, big name names. designers. It's yes. really fun to see like, ooh, who's buying what? <laughs> yeah. There there was there were some big name designers that bought half the shop at a lot of the mm-hmm. places. And and clearly that is also bringing a lot of a lot of new people. It was interesting mm-hmm. to see I, I mean again, not back to the peak levels, but yeah. 1,689 exhibitors at this year's High Point Market and 1,700 new buyers. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, a lot of people coming down, many for the the first time. That's interesting. So I mentioned Tom Conley's name earlier in the show. Tom Conley, longtime friend to BOH and and friend to, to all of us, stepping down as as president of the High Point Market Authority. Does that suggest uh, meaningful change coming? I know we've got uh, we've got someone who's who's been with High Point for a long time, uh, Tammy stepping in to take his his place. Um, but does it suggest a, a shift, some 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 meaningful changes coming? You know, I think uh, first congratulations to Tom. Uh, anybody that gets out of the furniture business alive is is obviously <laughs> a uh, you know a poster child hero to the rest of us. So. Good for him. He definitely deserves uh, to uh, to sail off into the sunset. So that's great. Tammy has been with the High Point Market Authority for a long time. She's an insider. She really knows the market well. My guess, and, and I have not uh, talked to her directly about this, is that she's going to continue, uh, at least for the time being, 
the direction and the programs that Tom has been uh, put in place. She's been Tom's number two for um, for years. So if I know her, there'll be some new things and, and some new initiatives, but you probably won't see them for you know, at least a market or two as she, as she gets settled in, but, um, it's a good change. It's, uh, uh, you know, sometimes these associations bring in an outsider who has, uh, organizational, uh, experience, but doesn't know a credenza from an Ottoman. And, uh, (laughs) and, uh, so, uh, Tammy has both, and I think it's a great choice. Well, and and to your point, Warren, about about Tom Conley's tenure, Alex Shuford was uh, reminding everyone in in the remarks that he very nicely made that that Tom had already steered High Point through the previous financial crisis, yeah. and, uh, and and really has brought High Point back now multiple times in in his career. So uh, he he gets a, a, a well deserved, uh, hopefully, rest uh, from all of this. For yes, he does. For, yep. For a little while, though I know he's he's keen to be uh, doing a lot of things within the industry, but uh, I, I hope that he'll have a chance to to catch his his breath after after all he's after all he's done. One of the things that sounds like it's coming next year to to High Point, and and I know you two were just chatting about it earlier. They announced this vacation rental conference. Caitlin, it sounds like they're trying to lure you into that in some <laughs> way. Um, what's your sense there? What What's that all about? I mean, I think it's a really smart addition to market programming. The idea is that it would debut right before spring market. So it would bring people to town a little early. Maybe you have to choose between scoping out antiques and going to the summit. I'm not sure. But The idea is that it would bring designers to town, designers who are focused on that vacation rental market, which is its own particular niche that sort of sits in that interesting limbo between, you know, wanting something to feel like a home, having the durability of a hospitality grade project just so that you can be turning over that rental again and again, but not having some of those obvious trappings of like hotel grade stuff, you know, Haley on our team wrote a great story kind of previewing what was coming. And I think she gave the example of, you know, you can't have like a vinyl armchair, right. That feels cleanable. Um, The idea (laughs) of staying in a vacation rental, staying in a home is that you feel like it's your home away from home. Um, And I think there is a lot of strategy, whether it's sourcing strategy, procurement strategy, marketing strategy around making that work. There are some designers I think who have carved out a niche designing vacation rentals for others, but also people who are using, you know, using their skill set as a designer to design really immersive vacation rentals as not passive income, but a second revenue stream for their design business where they are, you know, the one overseeing these uh, vacation rental properties. And so, you know, certainly you have a leg up as a designer. Airbnb for one is putting a lot more emphasis in its listings on those that have this sort of like well-designed, aesthetically pleasing factor. You can literally search like buy well-designed spaces in the app. And so I think this is sort of tapping into that enthusiasm um, and it should bring some really great conversations to market. And I think you have to put that in the context of the bigger picture that High Point is looking for initiatives that uh, that expand the use of the property and the venue uh, yes. be up beyond the two weeks a year. So whether it's uh, pre-market or 
the uh, open all year round, the first Tuesdays or first Mondays, whatever. Tuesdays. Tuesdays, yeah. <laughs> I, I was never very good at the days of the week. Uh, um, but I think they're really trying to get more use out of it and, and make High Point more uh, relevant uh, to the industry. So I think it's good that they're trying new stuff. And I should add that's uh, it's High Point by Design is really spearheading that initiative, and then High Point Market Authority has come on as a sponsor of that. So it's a pretty great partnership, yeah. You know, of an organization that's already trying to really do that year-round programming and offerings in town. Yeah, exactly. And as you as you both say, the 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 effort to be year-round in some capacity ha- has long been on the table. So this sounds like one of the ways that they're hoping to make that happen. I also think there's a really interesting um, piece of that too in that growth for high point market is sometimes showing groups who have not necessarily looked at the market as being for them that the programming and the product and the people are speaking to kind of their sphere of expertise. And I think this is a really interesting way to sort of expand that circle and say, you know, maybe you didn't look to this market before as a resource for your projects, but, you know, we're going to show you how market can help you get where you need to go in your business. And using programming like this to do that just feels like a really smart way to kind of keep broadening the circle of people who feel welcome and who are excited to shop. Well, so much of what has driven attendance for for market has been new introductions, new partnerships with designers or or, or other collaborators and, and, and licensing partnerships. I'm wondering from, from both of you, what were some of the new introductions and collaborations that that stuck out in your minds that you saw at, at, at this market? Uh, Caitlin, uh, you saw a lot more product than I did. So I will say the partnership I was probably most captivated by was um, Benjamin Johnston is a designer out of Texas, and he debuted his first line for Chadwick. It's beautiful. It's you know, the presentation was colorful in this really lush, immersive way. It was stunning. But it was also, I mean, one interesting thing about him, I interviewed him about a year ago for the 50 States project. He represented Texas, you know, and I asked everybody, you know, how big are the projects you're working on? And his answer was like 12,000 square feet. Like everything really is bigger in Texas. And he's making really beautiful furniture that's really, really big and making it feel intimate, making it not feel overwhelming. Um, And so as we walked through with him and he was able to talk about some of the design details that almost like trick you into not realizing that you're sitting on, you know, a 96 inch sofa or whatever it is, that felt both just kind of beautiful, but also really smart and considered and was just really exciting to see. Corey Damon Jenkins had a great collection for Maitland Smith that was really kind of neoclassical inspired and beautiful. And then Amy and Lee are two designers out of Utah from Pure Salt Interiors. And mm. they had a, a truly special rug collection with Momani that just, you know, that was maybe one of the market highlights for me. It was just this like really streamlined, simple, thoughtful rug line. Um, and also a polka dotted tufted rug uh, that was sort of like in their kids line that is not just for kids. It was really great. And it was in a really chic olive green. For me, those were the highlights. Well, and and Warren, you weren't seeing as as much product because you were, what what were you doing instead, Warren? What was what was happening while <laughs> others were looking at product? What were you doing? Uh, that's none of your business, Dennis. Okay, you know? okay. 
great. I, I thought I'd get some lift from you, some attitude. Yeah, not unexpected. I was just happy to see that the furniture industry has not succumbed to a uh, a Kardashian line yet or a uh, a Kanye West line. So you know what um, there is though. The show uh, Yellowstone has a furniture line as of this. Is morning. that right? Okay. Yeah. Just what the world's been waiting for. Okay. <laughs> and it will probably do well. So. Well, so it it, it sounds like the takeaway message from High Point is so attendance up, we're almost back to to pre-COVID levels, high level of enthusiasm, people are out, people are excited to be back at shows, people are excited to see new collections, furnitures more readily available than perhaps it has been in the past two or three years. Lead times for many are much shorter. Product is readily available. Uh, especially at the at the lower end, Warren, it sounds like lots and lots of product available. Some of it to be marked down this holiday season. <laughs> yep, it sounds like in big big numbers. If you've been what dreaming of a sofa for Christmas, you're you're in luck because this is a year. Or I mean, this is for you, baby, because okay. uh, there's a lot of going to be a lot of stuff out there, and I think uh, uh, the consumer who wants furniture or essentially wants any home furnishings product i think is gonna is gonna be in a good spot uh, the next 90 days to find a good deal yeah yep so large screen tvs already plentiful now you'll have the sofa perhaps a sectional to go with it at a, at a nice price maybe package those two that'll be great this holiday i've been wondering what to get people now i now i know are you gonna do an oprah like you get a sofa you get a sofa <laughs> yes <laughs> I was told I was getting that if I did this podcast. Is that did I not read the, my contract right? You're absolutely correct. That is what that is what every guest on the on the Business of Home podcast gets. Uh, okay, a, a piece of furniture of their of their choosing. So you know, mm-hmm. I will I will send you the link, and yeah. you can you can pick the pieces that are available. <laughs> I touched on Wayfair earlier, Warren. Just to just to wrap up with that, it, it was interesting that they were back in such big numbers. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, a lot of Wayfair buyers showed up. No one from Amazon, apparently. Uh, so I'm I'm curious about that. Yeah, Amazon has has weird theories about trade shows. Sometimes they come on moss, and sometimes they are uh, totally uh, invisible. You know, I think Wayfair, which is uh, stepping up its uh, physical store mm. program, they are opening their first real. Uh, Wayfair store this spring outside of Chicago. And I think they're getting more aggressive. Uh, they know that they need to do stuff. Yeah, they're moving so quickly. I mean, one and then maybe what, another one in they, a couple of years? What do you think? I mean, they, wow, they could, watch them fly. They, they are, could have whoo, two by the end of next up. year. Yes, yes. So I still can't get over 150 people like on a buying team traipsing through market personally. Is that how many there were? I didn't realize it's it was 150 that 150 to 160. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I feel like as three people, we feel so much pressure on our team to like <laughs> see everything. But uh, the idea of managing like, well, like six tour buses full of people 
it's just kind of blows your mind a little bit from an operations perspective too. Well, but and you but you wonder though again, uh, does it does it speak to an optimism? Does it speak to uh, are are they in fact going to be going to be more aggressive? I mean, the, the way the stock goes down, it just looks like they're they're going out of business any minute, but uh Perhaps that that's not how they feel internally. They were really planting a flag in the, perhaps, in the ground. Perhaps they haven't gotten that message themselves. Perhaps they don't look at their own earnings releases. I don't know, but they <laughs> they they seem uh, they seem quite uh, quite eager to participate, and I and I hope that they will. I, yeah. I really I really do, and I and I and I hope that they can turn things around there uh, because it's I, I don't like to see I don't like to see that chart looking the way it does or 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 RH's chart for that matter. Also, uh, was there was there much sense of a, a big presence from them at market RH? Could you tell? Could were they showing up with the the usual suspects? Not that I'm aware of, and again, they're a retailer that generally doesn't come to the show much. Uh, you know, they may have some some uh, product development people slinking around, but um, they don't need no stinking high point market. <laughs> <laughs> They're climbing the luxury mountain, Warren. They yes, don't they need, are. Yes. right? Yes, they are. And, uh, and uh, get them some more oxygen as they get higher and higher. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I want to thank you both for making the time. I know you're both exhausted coming after market. And so I really appreciate you making the time. And, uh, and, and I'm grateful that you could be here. So thank you. Well, I always enjoy comparing notes with Caitlin because we, <laughs> you know, we sort of travel in parallel universes, and we uh, intersected briefly over a yes. cup of espresso at market, yes. but then yep. then returned to our separate orbits. So, so uh, we each have a different perspective, and uh, and we're both right. And uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's nice how it works out that way. Yes, we it didn't does. even get to talk about the donuts or or the highlights of your uh, of of your eating expeditions while you're out at High Point. Well, well we usually get, let's just say. Biscuitville, yeah. Biscuitville. <laughs> sausage egg and wait, sausage egg and cheese for you too on a biscuit? I skipped the cheese. I'm a purist. So um, but it's still not like the old days where it was a uh, a sea of crustaceans at uh, at oh. cocktail parties, you know? It's uh So they haven't brought back the shrimp yet. Will that be the, the big yet. indicator that we've come out of the of the recession? That when they've got the, the- shrimp indicator. Yeah. You know, you know okay. I always thought the best the best barometer of market was something that uh, Furniture Today used to do 25 years ago. There was a little store on Main Street, uh, I think it was called Parker's, and um, they would go in there and see uh, what cigar sales were every market. And this was back when, shall we say, there were more cigar smoking stereotype uh, market goers and they would judge the strength of market by cigar sales if people bought a lot of cigars they were feeling good and and business was good and it was a good market and if cigar sales were down that didn't say much um i always thought that was great uh, uh i worked on a publication we tried to uh do a variation of that by um, checking in with uh, Krispy Kreme every morning and seeing what their sales were the day before. Also a pretty good indicator. So, <laughs> Would you take care of that personally, Warren? Was that part of your job to go in and check in with it Krispy Kreme? It was a thankless job, but yeah, I, I yeah. volunteered, yes. Rough, rough. <laughs> yes. You were in the trenches. You were in the trenches back in the day. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. That's, that's you. You're a team player, Warren, and we've always appreciated that. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Dennis. This has been great. It's been a pleasure. Thank you both. Take good care. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. 
If you'd like to keep up with the latest design industry news, visit us online at businessofhome.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter, browse job listings, and join our BOH Insider community for access to online workshops, a free print subscription, and much more. If you have a note for the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at businessofhome.com. If you're enjoying these conversations, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps others to discover the show. This show was produced by Fred Nicolaus and edited by Michael Castaneda. I'm Dennis Sculling. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week.